Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. Today we're going to be talking about the same thing we always talk about. Movies and sports and other random stuff that we feel like talking about. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. So this is uh, this episode about The Matrix. And we're doing that in recognition of its 25th anniversary. Yes, you heard that right. It's really old. <laughs> and so are we. 20th or 25th? Oh, yeah, it's 20th, I think. Okay, I'm not as old as I thought I was. <laughs> the one that really kind of made Keanu Reeves a star, really. Like a real star. Not a guy who was in movies. Because <laughs> before that, he was like in uh, Point Break, Speed, and then Bill and Ted. Ah, uh, Speed. The bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> and it more or less made Lawrence Fishburne's career. At least yeah. from the perspective of our generation. Yeah, because I think uh, before that point, I don't think I had seen him in a movie. Not that I could think of. And, like, until people pointed it out, I didn't realize he was in Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, he totally is in Pee-wee's Playhouse. He's the cowboy. <laughs> That's right. It's like Curtis the cowboy, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, he was in that acid trip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pee-wee's Playhouse was fun. It was fun, but, I mean, like, if you look at it, you knew what you were looking at. You're like, damn, somebody was on some acid. That might be true of most people who do kid shows. I suppose that's fair. <laughs> Just a guess. Like Eureka's Castle. Yeah. Fraggle Rock. Oh, man. Yeah, especially in that day and age. I mean, you look at those, uh, and you're just kind of like, hmm. <laughs> and one yeah. that really wasn't hiding it so much, HR puffing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, like, Care Bears. It's just kind of like, eh, okay, so we got a bunch of bears who are shooting light out of their stomachs in order to drive away darkness. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or anything from Gumby. Oh, yeah, all the Gumby stuff. But, ah, uh, I digest. <laughs> uh, back to the Matrix. The Matrix. The Matrix has you, Neo. Well, you know, what was interesting was it, it really, when you look back on it now, a lot of the CG stuff back then was, was state-of-the-art. Now we look at it as, like, the perfect balance of CG and, and practical effects and... The cinematography was really well done. And what helped all that together was that the story was, I don't know if you want to say original. I would say it was pretty original. But it was original enough that you couldn't think of another story that you'd seen about it before. It wasn't super original. It just wasn't popularly original. Yeah, there you go. Does that make sense? There wasn't a lot of um, that had been popular in the last hundred years. Or maybe even 50. There were definitely lots of things like it. You know, it's kind of based on a couple philosophical con constructs and or thought experiments that have been around for a long, long time. Even before, like, just machines, the concept that we're in, we're in some kind of a simulation or something. In that way, it wasn't new. But I think what was mostly groundbreaking about it is that it was a science fiction action movie that the action portion of it wasn't science fiction, if that makes sense. To a degree. 
you know, most of the action sequences take place in you know a normal like 20th century setting. Um, there's you know fighting with the hands and the feet, and then there's guns, and you know there's no laser beams, there's no uh, lightsabers, there's no yeah. So the foundation of those of those action sequences are reality based, but you know like the dodging of you know ten thousand bullets and. The yeah, speed yeah. of mean, which people hand fight, you know that that part. <laughs> right, you know that's why it's hard to yeah, hard to categorize it. But that's kind of what struck me through watching it. I don't remember seeing anything like it beforehand that wasn't a simple dystopian universe. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about like movies like Equilibrium or um, that, that kind of stuff, or that wasn't you know where the the technology more or less ran away with the fight, you know, with the uh, combat or fight scenes or or whatever, action sequences, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's that's, that's one of the things that really struck me. Um, The pacing in the movie is also really well done. It sort of presents you with, you know, the very first scene is sort of this you know, what the bleep just happened, you know, after, after eight minutes of watching the movie, you have no idea what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) You've got this weird conversation that you really can't follow any of. Uh, just doesn't make sense until later in the movie. You've got this, you know, crazy Kung Fu lady who just wastes all these cops and you've got these, uh, government agents show up, you know, we're from the government, we're here to help kind of a situation. And it's, it's hard to, figure out what the heck's going on and then you know the the whole getting hit by a truck sort of a thing (laughs) and then she's gone right and then you're like okay wtf (laughs) (laughs) what was that and then you get presented with the character you're supposed to you know bond with more or less throughout the film which is neo or uh mr mr anderson Thomas Anderson, right? Thomas A. Anderson. You've been living two different lives. Then you get kind of presented with this, you know, nerdy computer hacker. But the funnier part about that, about that part in particular, is that it was... Again, Hollywood does this thing where it tries to make you think that the the, the hero is almost an, uh, an outsider as far as of being part of normal society. But... Keanu Reeves is a good-looking white man, <laughs> you know, in front of a bunch of computers, you know, and he works for uh, a high-end company, you know, so it's like, I, I don't know what you guys think of as nerdy. I mean, I get it that, it, you know, it's for the audience, but, and this was the same problem that I kind of had with Ready Player One, at least in how they, they did the movie, was that the kid wasn't bad-looking, and in the book, the kid's a fat kid. Fat kid with acne, and he's got you know he's an, a real outsider. He he goes to you know the lowest of public schools that he could possibly go to. Yeah, he was definitely not that in the movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only thing that you thought of as far as Keanu Reeves' character, Neo's character, that made him part of like an outer side of society is that his apartment looked like crap. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he didn't live in a very nice apartment. Um, you know, he was obviously... And then, you know, after the, the initial scene where he's working his day job, he's, you know, getting down-dressed by his boss for being late yet again. And um, that's pretty much, you know, our generation. Right. He's <laughs> just constantly late to work. <laughs> right. You know, it was... You know, oh, he's the average suit. <laughs> right. That That's all I'm saying. Like, when you said nerdy, I was just like, I 
I can't say that he looked all that nerdy. I, I mean, one of the one of the remember the guy he meets that comes to his house to um he says he's whiter than or more pale than usual or whiter than usual and the whole the room is set up to set him off as like super pale. Right, but that could mean he have a he has a drug problem for all we know, especially since you know the people that he just answered the door for and you know the fact that they invited him out to a club. <laughs> And they also talk about drug use in that right. interaction. <laughs> Mescaline man, it's the only way to fly. Right. <laughs> and then when the, uh, and what was funny was, uh, when he talks to Trinity for the first time, and he's like, oh, I thought you were a man. She said, most men, I, I instantly flashed to hackers. I was like, oh, well, this is, you know, crash and, uh, crash override, acid burn all over again. Oh, yeah, no, that's like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Not even just like a little bit. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Something else that I remember getting pointed out to me through one of the commentaries is if you if you watch anytime anybody says like God or Jesus or, or whatever, if Trinity's in the vicinity, she'll say yes or she'll answer. So I always thought that was funny. Huh. Well, now I have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, one of the things that walking back and I, I, it's interesting as far as it keeps you thinking about, you know, hey, what's going on? But the a lot of the backstory stuff, because you, you kind of want to know how much of this do people, how much of this isn't like the world that we know. Like, because you never get a real sense of whether or not they're in America or not, because they don't really talk about it. They just say they're in a government building. Yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah, you don't ever see a flag. There's no like you, everybody's speaking English, okay. Right. And on top of that in the very opening scene when the the when the agents show up, the cops don't try to identify them as any particular agency. They just know automatically know that they're guys in suits, the guys in suits, you know. You got to wonder at what what do people in the matrix can consider part of their world. You know, what's the structure? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, are there other countries? Is everything just one big city or series of cities? You know, the, the agent mentions that it's like the height of our society, but like, have we hit that point? Right. <laughs> and even in the second movie, when they're out on the highway, you don't know where the highway is going, what it connects to. All you know is that they're on the highway going back into the city that they were in before. Yep. It was interesting in, the, in that perspective because of, um, you know, they talked about how, you know, the perfect simulation, how entire crops and all that died. Yeah, how how people kept trying to wake up from from the dream. Right. Um, yeah, that whole that whole conversation is actually really interesting because it's a it's one of those um, bullshit environmentalist tropes that that villains and sometimes heroes use all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that human beings are, are disease or that, you know, we're a virus or that we're... We're defined by our misery. Yeah, we're unlike all of the rest of nature and we really should just be exterminated kind of a thing. Right. Which is total crap. Like, we're, we pretty much act like all the other animals. We're just better at it. <laughs> <laughs> you take any animal, any life form on the planet and it attempts to shape its environment to be best for it. We're just, you know, really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost to a point of you know encroaching on others. I mean, it, the 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 best way for human beings to be naturally balanced is through itself. That's the way we've done things. Yeah. Now, typically, we like to do that socially. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but yeah, that's a that's a standard you know trope. I I think it's interesting because I, I think it's the 
you know, we kind of later learn later on more about the the programs themselves and how they have their own sort of personalities and the, all the machines don't think alike and that kind of thing. But in in this film, you know, he's kind of the only one. Like when Agent Smith sits down with Morpheus and he's trying to explain to him, "I hate the smell." <laughs> like it's if if there is such a thing, I have I have to get out of here. Like I I hate this place. And you're kind of like those are those are very interesting concepts coming from you know a machine. Well, and thinking about that, and particularly about Agent Smith, I don't know if that's how he always was, or if he morphed into that given the interactions he's had, you know, with these characters. Because I mean, uh, you kind of get the sense that you know once he started down this path, because well, it really kind of starts when he starts talking with Cyrus, it's, and I'm assuming that what we didn't get to hear that conversation is that Cyrus told about what everyone's part is in, in the in the group, you know, including Neo's. So at this point, I think gears start turning in Agent Smith's head, and all of a sudden he starts getting a mind of his own. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, if you look at Trinity and Morpheus, the before Neo, you know, is brought out of the Matrix, they use the Alice in Wonderland metaphor with him. Mm-hmm. Cipher uses Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz. It's kind of an off. Way to offset him. And almost, but you know, and, and what's funny is that that example is kind of reverse of what actually happens. Uh, okay, go into that. So you got to kind of think of the Matrix as Oz because he comes crashing back down to Earth, back down to reality. Instead of crashing into Oz, this make believe land. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of the same way with the Alice in Wonderland metaphor. Yeah. You think you're going down into the Wonderland, and you figure, I don't know, wait, I was in Wonderland. Right. <laughs> now, I am in the desert of the real. Right. As, as Morpheus put it. It was really well done for its time. It's certainly a classic. I would consider it of our generation. Do you think it's Do you think it's held up? What I mean by that is, like, when you go back to, say, like, the Ghostbusters, and you watch, like, Claymation kind of scenes with the giant dog demon dogs or whatever they are and you're and you're kind of like okay this looks kind of hokey <laughs> <laughs> do you do you feel like the um everything held up uh i do really because i think that most they did a really good job of keeping as little computer special effects as they could and having as much physical sets and physical surroundings that and not to mention the 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 lighting the lighting's dark enough that if there were issues with the the transfers you know in the way that the the special effects are shown on the screen the darkness of the scenes kind of help hide that yeah that's a good point um, it's darkness helps a lot because <laughs> <laughs> typically the you know with visual effects that are bad there's usually a black or dark outline of the the areas involved and so if you have dark lighting, it's, you know, absorbed into it. Yeah, that's a good point. And probably the, I'd have to assume it was a green filter they used on just about everything. So um, what they did was in, when they're in the Matrix, it's a green filter. Mm-hmm. When they're outside of the Matrix, it's actually a, if I remember right, it's a blue filter. Yeah, that that makes sense. I'm trying to remember. I, uh, yeah, I'll have to go back and look. But they use different filters for different locations. Like when they're in Zion in the later movies, it's a different it's a different color filter. Yeah, I would say Zion was either yellow or orange or a combination of the two. In in that regard, they 
made the balance a lot better because they they took the the limitations of the computer generated effects that they had and just went around it. Yeah, I think you know, and that's something I think um, you'll get from guys who work in computer graphics that the more the less um, just wholesale computer graphics that you do the better it'll look like if you're building off of real stuff, then it'll look a lot better than if you're having to kind of create out of, um, out of scratch. Right. So I think that's what a lot of it was. You know, I thought bullet time still held up pretty well. I thought that was still pretty cool <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, you know, I don't know, uh, the pressure waves coming off the bullets and the slow-mo and the, you know, carting around Neo and that kind of thing. But you know, and I th- maybe it was the first time that that kind of visual effect has been used for bullets. But at the, after that point, I kind of think that that became the standard of looking at bullets in movies. You know, is the the ripple shock waves, you know, coming off of them. Yeah, yeah. If you were gonna do slow mo, that that's what you were gonna see. Right after that point, but I don't, I don't remember that before that point. Right. So there, it kind of set a standard. I'm trying to think if there was anything that came off as really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) This is really stupid. Some of the probably character interactions, you know. You know, I I think the dialogue was was pretty well done. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, like the scene where they're trying to get Neo and they're in the car and it's raining. And he asks a question and uh, what's her name? You talking about Switch? Yeah, Switch. Tries to throw him out, and you're just like, where did all that come from? <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, okay, why not just tell this guy up front, hey, you've been bugged, we need to take the bug out. <laughs> right, instead of just being a ginormous, you know. <laughs> yeah, why well, you gotta be a D-bag about this? <laughs> why not just tell this guy up front? Okay, I get it. We're going for like the secretive noir thing, but the reality is, like that's uh, that's a tool of the Matrix. That's not really, you know, how it right. doesn't seem like those kind of folks would act that way. Right. I guess you could say maybe if they talk about agents or something, it's like an auto alert to the agents because only people who were out of the Matrix would know what agents were. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you say the word agents, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> It seemed like everybody kind of knew who they were. Yeah, I mean, it's a common term. Like, you know, FBI agents, CIA agents, NSA agents, Homeland Security agents, agent agents, agent orange agents. Well, in the scene where he gets, uh, just before he gets arrested, you know, he, Morpheus tells him to stand up and look and look towards the elevators and he sees the guys. It's like, oh shit. You know, like, not as in, oh shit, oh shit, there are guys here. It's, oh shit, it, those guys are here. It's the feds. Cheese it. <laughs> right. You can cram that jurisdiction stuff right up your ass. That's the first scene in the movie. Well, it's the, one of the first scenes in the movie, but they're all wearing glasses, right? right? They're all wearing sunglasses, but it's the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> like, there's no moon. There's no starlight. Well, it's city, so there wouldn't be any starlight, but there's no moonlight. There's nothing. They're wearing glasses in the dead of the night. And just walking around. <laughs> yeah. Like... Like, this is just normal. This is cool. <laughs> so that was kind of dumb. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, as as cool as it might seem to wear sun- sunglasses at night, if you actually try and do it, it, it makes you look stupid pretty fast. 
because there's all kinds of stuff you can't see. I'll just pick up this garden hose here. Nope, got bit 12 times by the snake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump over this curb. Vabong! Oh, it was higher than I thought it was. <laughs> Especially like, you know, they'd blast through through walls and the glass would still be on them. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, uh, I don't know if you've ever used sunglasses before, but... <laughs> Those things have a tendency just to fall off randomly, especially when you're over water or a, or, or a pit from which you can't retrieve things. <laughs> what did you think about the ending? So the ending, I kind of figured, was made the way that it was in case they decided they weren't going to do a second movie. Yeah, that's exactly the feeling I got off, too. Because it was a neutral ending. Like, you could go ahead and in your own mind determine what happens after that. Or we could show you. Yeah. Although I, I kind of feel, given that ending, and you know, we'll probably talk about this later uh, with the with the next two films. But given that ending, then the next two kind of seem like a betrayal of that ending. Almost. I mean, like it just didn't seem like like if you were to lay down like railroad tracks that they that they weren't lined up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like like Neo says, I'm gonna show everybody what you've been hiding. And you get to the next one, and it's like, nothing happened. Yeah, like, you're doing the same thing you were doing before. <laughs> <laughs> Only now you're just flying all over the place. Yeah. Like a kid who got a, got a motorbike. <laughs> yes, yeah. You can fly and stop bullets, which is, you know, I mean, it's a lot of fun in an action film, but... It's not the uh, noble actions that we were... You know, that the noble, I'm going to save the world stuff that we were that you said you were going to do. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't the the grand hacker manifesto, I'm going to tell the world all the secrets thing going down. Yeah, you told nobody nothing, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Superman. (laughs) All right, favorite scene. Favorite scene. I suppose it it wouldn't be just one scene, it was just the type of scenes of, of how they decided to learn, I suppose. You know, you just load the information straight into their head. It's like, well, that would just be freaking awesome. Yeah, it'd be pretty flipping revolutionary, huh? Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> have to waste time on schooling or training or any of that BS. You just know. You just, I drink and I know things. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've been downloaded into my brain. <laughs> but then you got to ask the question, what is the computing capacity of a human brain? Yeah, that's a good question. It's something they dealt with on a show. I don't know if you ever saw it called Dollhouse. Uh, I, I've heard of, never watched. It's uh, it's decent. Um, it got canceled kind of early, and so it went some weird places for like the last three episodes, three or four. But the, effectively, more or less, they store your mind on a computer, mm-hmm. and you you basically rent your body out to this company mm-hmm. and they, they store your mind on a computer and they let other people use your body either by at the beginning of the show, it's by turning you into whatever that person wants. So like a fun date night or, or, or whatever, mm. um, or a really fun date night. Right. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. It's a first or, iteration of date, or, fun date night. Or a really, really, really fun date night. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. 
or an assassin or, you know, whatever he happened to need at the time, I guess. Um, but then it slowly evolves into you can rent their body, like, personally. Like, you can put your consciousness into another person's body, and then they go, they go from there. They talk about, you know, uh, everything goes to hell after that because the people start getting to use it as a weapon and... There's a, a line somewhere down the road where one of the guys is like, oh, sorry, we use Russian usually because it's like the the language that uses the least amount of brain power up. <laughs> right. So you can store other information in there. I don't know why they picked Russian. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Doesn't seem like an easy language, but then again, I'm coming from English, which is a stupid, ridiculous well, language. I was going to say, like they chose Chinese for, you know, uh, Firefly. Well, that was more for, you know, socioeconomic reasons. But I'm just saying is that, you know, having to use that in the actual <laughs> TV show. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's also so they could curse without, uh, without having to bleep things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite scene is, is probably, it's going to be hard for me to get away from the a lobby scene. Um, just because I've always been an action buff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that scene is just a fantastic amount. Of, it's it's a fantastic amount of action spliced with a music video, which I love music videos too, so it's really hard for me to get away from that. Well, <laughs> it was a montage. It was a, a lyricless montage. Well, it wasn't really a montage. I mean, a montage would be like, well, at least an 80s-style montage <laughs> would be more like the um, learning all the stuff which that's probably my other favorite scene is the fighting between the the fight between Neo and uh, Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Morpheus and Neo fighting. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes running to watch it. You, you were asking earlier about a, a dumb scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought of one solid one, which was um, was the the elevator scene where he's like, "Yo, there is no spoon." It's like I don't see the the, the correlation here because one's a massive explosion, the other is a piece of stainless steel. <laughs> I think he was trying to tell himself that, you know... Right, I know why, this but... this is real. <laughs> right, right, I get that, and I understand what he's saying, but, like, you know, when you, like, if you were to take it, like, if you were to put yourself in that situation, you were standing right next to him when he said that, you'd be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> really? You're going to compare this whole explosion thing to a spoon? We are going to die, sir. <laughs> We're going to die, sir. This is not a spoon. I don't care if the spoon exists or not. I gotta die. Who put this man in charge? <laughs> Thank God we're going to get the black guy. <laughs> not gonna say that Morpheus is the brains of the operation here, but Morpheus is the brains of the operation. <laughs> Which becomes more disturbing than the other two movies. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, and he's accepted his role as Messiah, but he hasn't gotten any smarter. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> whoa. That, would, that should be like one of the, the gag reels you see on YouTube is they just, inadvertently, they just randomly throw in Keanu Reeves, whoa. <laughs> that used to be a thing for a while. I remember right, that got like, SNL and all, and all kinds of other places did the woe. <laughs> We've really had two super popular woes in our cultural existence. That's the Keanu Reeves Matrix. Whoa. And the Joey Lawrence. <laughs> whoa. 
Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> if we could just have the two of them standing next to each other. <laughs> How has that not happened? That, that can't possibly have not have happened. Yeah, that has to have happened somewhere. That that's That's homework for our viewers. If you can find out where that happened and comment... Or or send the link to us. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about like somebody on YouTube taking scenes of those two and putting no, them like, like physically together. No. Keanu Reeves and Joey Lawrence standing next yeah. to each other. <laughs> Saying whoa back and forth. How is that not a Saturday Night Live or a Mad TV or something like that? How is that's gotta be there. It's gotta be somewhere. <laughs> so you've got a homework audience. Yeah, I think that kinda wraps down the Matrix and looking forward to reload it. Like you said, it kind of goes off the rails there, starting the second one. (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of like, uh, I feel betrayed. (laughs) It's like right off the bat. Okay, well, I guess we'll bring this uh, to a close. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Pat and the Fat Man. Take it easy, folks. Stay classy.